The Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Good day, Dr. Watson, Mr. Franklin. You really must give your horses a rest and come in and have a glass of wine and to congratulate me. It is a great day for me, sir. I have established a right of way through the center of old Middleton's Park. Slap across it, sir, within a hundred yards of his own front door. And I've closed the wood where the firmworthy folk used to picnic. Both cases decided, Dr. Watson, and both in my favor. Will either do you any good? None, sir, none. I am proud to say that I act entirely from a sense of public duty. I have no doubt, for example, that the firmworthy people will burn me in effigy tonight. I told the police last time they did it that they should stop these disgraceful exhibitions. The county constabulary is in a scandalous state, sir, and has not afforded me the protection to which I am entitled. I could tell them what they are dying to know about a certain missing felon, but nothing would induce me to help the rascals in any way. You don't mean the convict on the moor. And do you know where he is? Has it never struck you that the way to catch that man was to find out where he got his food and so trace it to him? Well, you'll be surprised to hear that his food is taken to him by a child. I see him every day through my telescope upon the roof. He passes along the same path at the same hour, and to whom should he be going except to the convict? Bless my soul. If my eyes do not deceive me, is there at the present moment something moving upon that hillside? Hmm? Well, I, I can't discern a thing. Look through the telescope and judge for yourself. Yeah. Well, am I right? No, certainly, there is a boy who seems to have some secret errand. But surely you are not going. Oh, you will help me to empty the decanter in honor of this great occasion. I resisted all his solicitations. I kept the road as long as his eye was on me, and then I struck off across the moor and made for the stony hill over which the boy had disappeared. The sun was already sinking, and the long slopes beneath me were all golden green on one side and grey shadow on the other. The boy was nowhere to be seen. But down beneath me, in a cleft of the hills, there was a circle of the old stone huts, and in the middle of them there was one which retained sufficient roof to act as a screen against the weather. Throwing aside my cigarette, I closed my hand upon the butt of my revolver, and walking swiftly up to the door, I looked in. The place was empty. But this was certainly where the man lived. Some blankets lay on that very stone slab upon which Neolithic man had once slumbered. The ashes of a fire were heaped in a rude grate. Beside it lay some cooking utensils, and a bucket half full of water. When I thought of the heavy rains and looked at the gaping roof, I understood how strong and immutable must be the purpose which had kept my pursuer in that inhospitable abode. Was he our malignant enemy, or was he by chance our guardian angel? With tingling nerves but a fixed purpose, I sat in the dark recess of the hut and waited with somber patience for the coming of its tenant. It is a lovely evening, my dear Watson. I really think that you would be more comfortable outside than in. Holmes? Holmes! I'm coming in. Do please be careful with the revolver. <laughs> I, I was never more glad to see anyone in my life. Oh, more astonished, eh? <laughs> well, I assure you, the surprise was not all on one side. 
I had no idea that you had found my occasional retreat, still less that you were inside it, until I was within 20 paces of the door. My footprint, I presume. No, Watson, I fear that I could not undertake to recognize your footprint amid all the footprints of the world. If you seriously desire to deceive me, you must change your tobacconist. For when I see the stub of a cigarette marked Bradley Oxford Street, I know that my friend Watson is in the neighborhood. But how did you localize me? You saw me, perhaps, on the night of the convict hunt, when I was so imprudent as to allow the moon to rise behind me. Yes, and then your boy had been observed, and that gave me a guide to where to look. Ah, the old gentleman with the telescope, no doubt. I could not make it out when first I saw the light flashing upon the lens. But what's this paper? So, you have been to Coombe Tracy, have you? To see Mrs. Laura Lyons? Our researches have been running along parallel lines. Well, I am glad from my heart that you are here. But how in the name of wonder did you come? I, I thought you were in Baker Street working out that case of blackmailing. That was what I wished you to think. Well, then you used me, and yet do not trust me. I think that I have deserved better at your hands, Holmes. Why keep me in the dark? For you to know could not have helped and might possibly have led to my discovery. I brought Cartwright down with me. You remember the little mm. chap at the express office? Yes. And he has seen after my simple wants, a loaf of bread and a clean collar. What does man want more? He has given me an extra pair of eyes upon a very active pair of feet, and both have been invaluable. Then my reports have all been wasted. Here are your reports, my dear fellow, and very well thumbed, I assure you. I must compliment you exceedingly upon the zeal and intelligence which you've shown over an extraordinarily difficult case. Well, I was still rather raw over the deception which had been practiced upon me, but the warmth of Holmes' praise soon drove my anger from my mind. The sun was setting, and dusk settled over the moor as I told Holmes of my conversation with Mrs. Laura Lyons. So interested was he that I had to repeat some of it twice before he was satisfied. This is most important. It fills up a gap which I had been unable to bridge in this most complex affair. You are aware, perhaps, that a close intimacy exists between this lady and the man Stapleton. I did not know of a close intimacy. They meet, they write, there is a complete understanding between them. Now, this puts a very powerful weapon into our hands. If I could only use it to detach his wife. His wife? The lady who has passed here as Miss Stapleton is, in reality, his wife. Good heavens, Holmes. Are you sure of what you say? How could he have permitted Sir Henry to fall in love with her? He took particular care that Sir Henry did not make love to her, as you yourself have observed. But why this elaborate deception? Because he foresaw that she would be very much more useful to him in the character of a free woman. It is he, then, who is our enemy. It is he who dogged us in London. And the warning, well, it must have come from her. Exactly. But how do you know that the woman is his wife? Because he so far forgot himself as to tell you the actual truth. That he was once a schoolmaster in the north of England. A little investigation showed me that a school had come to grief under atrocious circumstances, and that the man who had owned it, the name was different, had disappeared with his wife. The descriptions agreed. When I learned that the missing man was devoted to entomology, the identification was complete. One last question, Holmes. What is the meaning of it all? What is he after? It is murder, Watson. Refined, cold-blooded, deliberate murder. 
But my nets are closing upon him, even as his are upon Sir Henry. There is but one danger which can threaten us. It is that he should strike before we are ready to do so. Another day, two at most, and I have my case complete. But until then, guard your charge as closely as ever a fond mother watched her ailing child. What is it? What does it mean? Which way, Watson? Which way? Here, Holmes. Here. No, there. Hound. Come, Watson, come. Great heavens, if we are too late. He has beaten us, Watson. We are too late. No, no, surely not. But by heaven, if the worst has happened, we'll avenge him. Can you see anything? Nothing. But hark, what is that? I see him, Holmes. This way. That brown tweed suit he wore the first day in Baker Street. It's Sir Henry. The brute, the brute. Oh, Holmes, I shall never forgive myself for having left him to his fate. I am more to blame than you, Watson. In order to have my case well-rounded and complete, I have thrown away the life of my client. It is the greatest blow which has befallen me in my career. But how could I know that he would risk his life alone upon the moor in the face of all my warnings? That we should have heard his screams and yet have been unable to save him. Where is the brute of a hound which drove him to his death? It may be lurking among these rocks at this instant. And Stapleton, where is he? He shall answer for this deed. He shall. I will see to that. But now we have to prove the connection between the man and the beast. Safe from what we heard, we cannot even swear to the existence of the latter. But by heavens, cunning as he is, the fellow shall be in my power before another day is past. Why should we not seize him at once? It is not what we know, but what we can prove. If we make one false move, the villain may escape us yet. Tonight, we can only perform the last offices to our poor friend. We must send for help, Holmes. We cannot carry him all the way to the hall. <laughs> Good heavens, are you mad? <laughs> yes, Watson. Mad with relief. A beard. A beard. The man has a beard. It is not the baronet. It is... Why, it is my neighbor, the convict. But how? Of course, the clothes. Sir Henry made his old wardrobe over to Barrymore, and Barrymore evidently passed it on in order to help Selden in his escape. Then the clothes have been the poor devil's death. It is clear enough that the hound has been laid on from some article of Sir Henry's, the boot which was abstracted in the hotel in all probability, and so ran this man down. There is one very singular thing, however. How came Selden, in this darkness, to know that the hound was on his trail? He heard him. To hear a hound upon the moor would not work a hard man like this convict into such a paroxysm of terror that he would risk recapture by screaming wildly for help. By his cries, he must have run a long way after he knew the animal was on his track. How did he know? Hello, Holmes. By all that's wonderful and audacious, what's this? It's the man himself. Not a word to show your suspicion. Why, Dr. Watson, you are the last man that I should have expected to see out on the moor at this time of night. But dear me, what's this? Somebody hurt? Oh, no, don't tell me that it is our friend, Sir Henry. 
The Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle.